morning, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Beautifully Victorious. I hope you all have been resting in the peace of the Lord since the last time we came together. Today, we are going to continue our journey through the book of James. But first, let's invite the Lord into our presence today through prayer. Father, I thank you that you are a God who wants to encounter us. I thank you that you breathe life into our souls during our darkest moments. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to be in our midst today and to convict our hearts with your truth. May you have your way with us and may your will be done in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, what a journey I have been on since the last time we came together. The first message the Lord produced through my hands I was so confident in. I took pride in it and was full of excitement. Then this week's teaching came and pop, went that excitement bubble. Don't get me wrong. I'm holding on to that rock solid faith we talked about last time. But boy, did this become hard very quickly. I can clearly see the struggle that will be accompanying me on this journey. In full transparency, this week, taught me things about myself and this ministry I'm embarking on. This week's teaching and our previous week's teaching also showed me areas of my life I'm still struggling in. This week specifically showed me the importance of repentance. This week's teaching also showed me that no matter what we face or how hard the struggle may be, God will see us through. So let's get into the Word of God together as one body dispersed throughout the nations. We left off in James chapter 1, verse 19. Let's read this together. As a reminder, we are using the New International Version, the 1984 and 2011 versions. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Okay, friends, let's begin breaking the verses down. First, let's reread verse 19 and 20, which reads, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Back when I was new to the faith 
and was still unsure of what God wanted from me. I had a bad tendency of refusing to listen to anyone, let alone the word of God. Actually, that's an understatement. I was more like a wild stallion that refused to be bridled or reined and was fully polluted by the evil that is so prevalent in this world. There was actually a wonderful woman who attempted to come alongside of me to guide me to a closer relationship with Christ, but I chose to go my own way. At that time, there was also a wonderful pastor who was and still is filled with agape love, and though at the time I was unable to see it in myself, he was able to clearly see the God-given potential in me. Of course, I didn't listen to him either. Why would I? I was polluted by the evil of this world. All these two people wanted was to help me. Instead, I bucked against everything they had to say. I continually talked myself in circles and found the nearest backdoor exit, like we talked about during our last teaching. I share this with you because there are so many reasons why it's important to be quick to listen and slow to speak. When we listen, we begin to absorb God's truth. As we absorb God's truth, it begins to refine our hearts so we slowly become bridled to the lessons of the Word of God and our lives become reined in by the Holy Spirit. This process actually becomes twofold because once we are bridled and reined, being quick to listen and slow to speak helps us be able to evangelize to others. When unbelievers or brothers and sisters new to the faith first encounter us, they tend to just be looking for someone to listen to them. They are looking for someone to hear them as they pour their hearts out. It is then only after listening that the Holy Spirit will give an opportunity to speak truth and life into that person's soul. It took about four years into my walk with Jesus, meeting my husband Adam and the pastor that would eventually marry us for me to finally understand the importance of listening and being slow to speak. Friends, verse 20 goes on and says, Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. See, this is where I personally have struggled the most. When I first came to have a relationship with Christ, I came in with baggage. We all do, and it looks different for everyone. My baggage left me angry and bitter, baggage that needed to be left at the foot of the cross. We will talk about my full testimony and baggage another day. Today, I want to speak about the anger associated with that baggage. Though I'm nine years into my walk with the Lord, I still have to surrender my anger. My dear husband Adam has been a victim of some of my worst anger outbursts. I can recall one time back years ago when we were still dating, jumping out of a moving vehicle due to anger. Stupid, right? I know. Though I do not struggle with anger to that extreme anymore, I do still struggle with raising my voice. I must add that even now, as you listen to this podcast, and my husband can bear witness to this as well, the Holy Spirit is continuously working in my heart to make me into a quieter, gentler spirit. Which brings us to verse 21. 
Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. I'd like to take a minute and point out the word therefore. Anytime we see that word in scripture, it's always a good idea to go back and find out what that word is therefore. So going back to verse 20, it had said, Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. The word righteous can be defined as morally right. So when we read the first part of verse 21, it says, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. We now understand that anger, amongst other things, makes us morally filthy. Today, I will be talking mostly about anger, but I feel it's important to talk about some other sins that make us morally filthy in God's eyes as well. The word prevalent is defined as widespread in a particular area or at a particular time. When we look at the world around us, there is so much moral filth in this particular time in history. It's so widespread and in our faces that even as believers, we might just accept these sinful behaviors as societally normal. We may even be okay with it, but in God's eyes, it's filthy, it's sinful, and it is why God sent Jesus. Here are some examples, other than anger, that make us morally filthy, that the world accepts as societally normal. Swearing, foul language and coarse talk, sex outside of marriage, homosexuality, addiction and drunkenness. We actually don't just accept these things as normal, we promote them. I can also assure you, the list goes on from there. If Jesus is supposed to be our example, why aren't we replicating him in word, speech, and deed? For example, when our speech is full of swears, foul language, and coarse talk, we are not representing Jesus' example. If you know he wouldn't use foul language or cuss words when talking to you, why are you doing it to the rest of the world? Honestly, that's really just a small aspect, but that small aspect matters to God. Verse 21 ends with, And humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. When we humble ourselves and accept that there are things in our lives that the Holy Spirit wants to purify us from, things that the world and even ourselves want to tell us is okay, is when the word of God can save us. But we have to make the decision to let him in and to surrender to his word. The Word of God used to just be a big book with a lot of words I didn't understand. I kept on reading and didn't stop. I still haven't stopped. And over time, the Bible became alive to me, as it will for you too. The Holy Spirit then began to purify my life from moral filth, including things such as homosexual behavior, premarital sex, and drunkenness, which we will talk more about later. You see, friends, those things may have fallen off of my life, but I still struggle with anger. We all struggle with things. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The thing is, once we humble ourselves and accept the help from those who love us, 
and care about our eternity, when we listen to what they have to say and accept the word of God as truth, it will then cleanse us from things such as anger amongst other sins. Which leads us right into verse 22 through 24. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and, after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. When we make a decision to let Jesus and the word of God save us, we are making a decision to die to ourselves and our desires daily. We are making a decision to surrender continuously and walk a path filled with struggle. I know some of you out there might be thinking, isn't the whole point of this podcast to get people to accept Jesus Christ? She isn't making it very pleasant or welcoming this week. Well, friends, it's not my job to make these truths wrapped up in a pretty package of comfort. It's my job to present you with the truth. We have all heard the statement, the truth hurts. The reason the truth hurts is because the truth convicts us. We have also heard the statement, the truth will set us free. It is my hope you will be set free by God's truth, that his truth will convict your heart as it has mine and many others. I pray God's word will bring you to a place of repentance and along a path filled with transformation. Please let me put a disclaimer here before we move on. If you or anyone you know struggles with some of the things we have discussed so far in this teaching, please note myself and anyone associated with me does not think of you any differently and do not love you any differently. In fact, I have personally struggled with things such as premarital sex, homosexuality, and drunkenness before truly accepting Jesus into my heart as Lord and Savior. And even after I did, friends, certain things still took time to exit my life. So please understand, I am not coming from a place of judgment. I'm coming from a place of experience, truth, understanding, and a long process of purification through the Holy Spirit. With that being said, friends, there are so many people, so many Christians, who go to church, listen to a podcast, watch a YouTube video, read a book, or blog, and all they are doing is merely listening. Matthew 7.21 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. That verse right there should strike godly fear into us. If you are here today to merely listen to another lesson about God, please just turn this podcast off now, because this podcast's mission is to raise disciples up to be sent out into the world to do the will of the Father who is in heaven. This podcast is meant to convict our hearts of the word of God so we can become better versions of ourselves. Trust me, I'm learning with you guys too. So I'm not going to waste my time or yours if you're just here to listen to me talk and not take action afterwards. If that were the case, we would only be deceiving ourselves. As verse 22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Friends, If the word of God says care for the least of these, 
then we need to start volunteering at homeless shelters and soup kitchens. If the word of God says don't partake in premarital sex, well then, repent and wait for the Lord to join you in marriage to the spouse he has chosen for you. Trust me, it's worth the wait. If the word of God says don't get drunk, stop drinking. If you can't stop, seek out help. If the word of God says don't partake in homosexual acts, you may think I'm out of my mind for saying this, but you need to stop partaking in those behaviors and let your desire for Christ be greater than your desire for a partner. Finally, if the word of God says don't use foul language or coarse talk, well then friends, it's time for us to clean up our vocabulary. I've worked through all these things and you can too. I assure you, the word of God says all these things. We don't have time to get into it today, but I encourage you to reference the following scriptures. Matthew chapter 25, verses 40 through 45. Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 through 11. And 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. As children of God, we are expected to live a life devoted to the teachings from the word of God. The path is not easy. The road is rough, but it's better than having God say to us that he never knew us when we stand before him on judgment day. I couldn't imagine being cast out of eternity with Jesus due to merely listening to the word of God rather than putting the word and its teachings into action. Friends, let me be clear. We are indeed saved through faith alone in Christ Jesus and not by what we do or don't do. But our faith, if pure and genuine, should drive us to transformation of self and to do good deeds. We will discuss that more in depth in James chapter 2. For now, through our study in chapter 1, I would hate for us to be the man or woman who looks into a mirror or, for all intents purposes, the word of God, but then minutes later, after walking away, forgets what they look like or what the word of God says. Personally, I wonder how many today will forget what the true meaning behind today's message was. I wonder how many will walk away from this message saying its main focus was a controversial issue. Maybe even saying things like, I look down on certain social groups. If that's the case, that person is missing the point in this message. The truth here is I hate sin. I hate that we are in a world that says it's okay for us to sin. I hate that I sin. Better yet, I hate that I saved sex for marriage, but I didn't save my virginity until marriage. I hate that when I get really angry, I swear, which to me is a double sin. Ugh. You see, I'm no different or any better than any other man or woman out there. I just see things through the eyes of the word of God. I hate how the world promotes these sins while saying it's okay, even encouraging things that make us morally filthy in God's eyes. Repentance is key to the process of purification through the Holy Spirit. Society today is so far away from the life-giving truth of Jesus Christ's death and resurrection and the forgiveness that truth ushers in. The message today is about sin more specifically, anger. 
and how these things don't bring about the righteous life that God desires for us. I pray we won't merely listen and we will take action. Earlier, I mentioned to me that the Bible was once just a big book of things I didn't understand, but I kept reading and the word came alive. It will for you too. At some point, the Holy Spirit opens our eyes, hearts, and minds while we are reading. At some point in our listening, we become transformed and start doing through the Holy Spirit. We begin to look different, sound different, and love differently. Which leads us right into verse 25. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. As believers, when we continuously read the Word of God, our minds begin to renew. I remember in the beginning of my walk with Jesus, wrestling with the Spirit in prayer. And if I'm being honest, it was more like yelling at him in prayer, saying, I don't understand your word. None of it makes sense. It even got to the point that I was so frustrated that I physically threw my Bible. See, right there, that was another example of anger. But it was in that moment of frustration that I felt the Holy Spirit's gentle presence engulf me and I became filled with the sensation that I just needed to pick the Word of God back up, and the Spirit of God would do the rest, beginning to give me an insight and understanding into what I was reading. After that experience, I was no longer able to disrespect the Bible. Now I won't even put it on the floor as its resting place for longer than a moment, let alone throw it. The Holy Spirit will give us all insight and understanding into his word if we just keep on looking intently into his perfect life-giving law. There are 66 books in the Bible, 39 in the Old Testament, and 27 in the New Testament. Books with words, names, and towns many of us don't know how to pronounce, along with things that seem so hard to relate to. Trust me, I get it. But my best suggestion is to just don't stop reading. The more we read, pray, and lean on the Lord for understanding is when the Holy Spirit will begin to open our eyes to the hidden secrets of the Word of God. These secrets have been there right in front of our eyes the whole time. I must add another tool in this process is to call on a friend or mentor that has been studying longer to join you in your studies. I also encourage you to join in on a Bible study in your local church. I promise you, the more we go to the Lord, the more our eyes will be opened. Psalm 119 verse 18 says, Open my eyes, that I may see wonderful things in your law. And in Luke 24 verse 45, it says, Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. My friends, there really is a blessing, a hidden secret in the Word of God that only the Holy Spirit will enable us to bear witness to after we have intently searched for it with pure motives. As this understanding grows in us, we get revelation, which begins to birth transformation. Once transformation has been birthed, we begin to see things such as men and women repenting of sexual immorality, 
which leads them to waiting until marriage to have a sexual intimate relationship with their spouse. We also begin to see men and women completely walking away from physical intimacy altogether and devoting their lives to intimacy and partnership to Christ alone. We see people start taking care of the least of these in their community, such as the homeless and drug addicted. We begin to see people bring their first and best to the Lord and his house of worship in the form of a tithe. Most importantly, we begin to see men and women taking the Great Commission seriously and literally. When those men and women take the streets, you see revival sweep over towns and counties. You see miraculous healings take place. You see the hurting and broken released from years of bondage alongside of a faith that can move mountains. Friends, I plead with you, please let the word of God seep deep into your soul and don't stop reading because a great awakening is coming. Remember from our verse, Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Amen? Amen. As we now move on to verse 26, we are going to shift our focus back on anger. Verse 26 reads, Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Personally, whenever I read scriptures like this, I default to interpreting them as we shouldn't, as believers and examples of Jesus' ministry, be using foul language and cuss words. I'm beginning to learn that there is a deeper teaching here. I have a friend that likes to tell me, it's not the words that you say that is the problem. It's the power you give the words you say. As much as I would love to argue my thoughts that as Christians, we should all be of clean speech, not cussing or using foul language, I feel today the Spirit is leading me to speak about anger. When anger flares up, our tongues, if not reined, become like fire setting ablaze and destroying those in the path of destruction, including ourselves. Even if we don't say a single swear when angry, we can cause some serious damage just by the power we give the words coming out of our mouths. We can literally destroy someone's hopes, dreams, and passions in a single sentence. Trust me, I hate to admit it, but I've done it. Friends, marriages fall apart because of the unkind, unloving things spouses say to one another. Some other areas besides marriage that anger may arise presenting a time when we may need to rein our tongues is in political debates, in times when we are stuck in traffic, when coworkers or bosses aggravate us, maybe when family members get too involved or don't respect our boundaries, or even in those times when we can't get a live human on an automated system. Trust me, friends, the list goes on. Earlier I mentioned briefly my personal struggle with reining in my own tongue has to do with raising my voice. In the past, when my anger flared up, the ugliest things would come out of my mouth. I was unkind, unloving, lacking any type of compassion for those who were victims to my anger. My husband usually received the majority of it. 
and through the years, my mother too. In those moments of anger, when we are trying to communicate, all our voices are doing is being loud and falling on the deaf ears of those who have tuned us out. From my personal battle against anger, I realized as I began to let the Holy Spirit work this out of my life, it started with a heightened awareness of the things that would trigger me. I also noticed something in my three-year-old son's behavior. I realized when he wanted something or when he wasn't being understood, he would yell at us, scream, and cry. It was then that it clicked to me that when I felt that I wasn't being understood or heard, that anger would begin to rise up in me and I would then yell, scream, and even cry. I thought to myself, wow, when I act like that, I sure must look like a three-year-old at age 30. That's when it dawned on me in the form of a question. Was I acting like a three-year-old with my actions? Or was my three-year-old acting like his 30-year-old mother, who was supposed to be his example? It was then I had the revelation that ushered in transformation. We began the process of consistent timeouts when our little guy would yell or scream. It was in those moments the Holy Spirit convicted my heart with yet another question. Shana, how can you expect Abel to communicate without yelling when that's exactly what you're doing? Needless to say, after some much-needed reflection and repentance, I said to Adam, Honey, I have an idea. I continued with, You know how we give Abel timeouts for yelling? Well, honey, I think any time I raise my voice, I need to go into a timeout as well. For two reasons. I believe this is supposed to happen. One, because it will show Abel that it's not okay for anyone to raise their voice even mommy. And two, it will help me become a quieter, gentler spirit while learning to communicate in a healthier manner. I can tell you friends, with the biggest smile on my husband's face, he looked up at me and said, well, you're 30 years old. Does that mean you get a 30 minute timeout? I couldn't help but laugh at that point and agree with him. If you're wondering if I had that timeout yet, the answer is yes, twice, in one day actually. 30 minutes is a much longer timeout than Abel's three-minute timeout, but those timeouts really help me reflect on my behavior and spend extra time in the presence of God, in the Word of God. It was in those timeouts that I began to realize I needed to learn a new way to act and react the next time I feel anger begin to rise up in my spirit. I share this story with you all for two reasons. One, because if we take time to remove ourselves from a situation, we can then reflect and repent of bad behaviors, which ultimately gives the Holy Spirit the opportunity to come in and transform us. The second reason is because even though I wasn't swearing or using foul language in those moments of anger, I was giving the words coming out of my mouth power to destroy the atmosphere of love around me. I was tearing my family apart in those moments of anger, and my tongue was by no means being reined. My hope is that someone out there hearing my story will benefit from knowing there is a process 
for transformation to take place, and that process looks different for everyone. All these things take time, friends, and by no means is it easy. Once we have taken the time to pray and surrender is when we start becoming bridled by the Holy Spirit, and the reigning part belongs to God. It is then that things such as anger will naturally fall off of our lives. At that point, the reigning of our tongues and the process of purification just becomes a part of life. We end up not bucking so hard against the changes God wants us to make in our lives that keep us morally filthy. These changes ultimately draw us nearer to the Lord's heart and deeper into his presence, which leads us by faith to begin doing good deeds in the name of Jesus. We then begin naturally caring for those who are looked down upon in society. Now when we read in verse 27 that it says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. We are able to see that by caring for those society looks down upon is religion God accepts. You see, religion is not about the rituals and traditions, it's about the heart and the love we pour out of us towards others regardless of their societal status. In James's society, orphans and widows were the lowest in society because orphans didn't have parents and widows didn't have husbands. They were considered weak and unable to care for themselves. They were fully dependent on others to survive. In our society today, in present history, we still have orphans who need care. Some of you listening may even be called to adopt a child or become a foster family. Some may even be called to have a career working in group homes. As for widows, some of you may help a friend out who has lost a spouse for a time, cook some meals, help with childcare, amongst other things. You see, friends, I personally feel there is a deeper meaning here. I feel as James is trying to tell us, take care of those society looks down upon, period, which in the year 2020 would be those who are homeless, those who have addiction problems, those who are incarcerated, those who are on parole or probation, those who may be in halfway houses, and I'm sure the list goes on, but it's those people those lost sheep, those who the rest of the world turns a cheek to, that I believe James is telling us if we take care of them and love them, that God will find that as pure and faultless religion. Verse 27 ends with, And to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Friends, I know from a place of experience, when we first come to faith in Jesus Christ, we begin to feel pulled in so many directions. We begin to ask ourselves questions like, should I start hanging out with more Christians and stop hanging out with the crowd I've always spent time with? Should I stop drinking? Should I stop gossiping and talking about people behind their backs? Should I return that money I stole from family members over the years? Should I confess to that crime I committed? Friends, the best advice I have for you, if you feel pulled in so many directions, is to just be still and let God be God 
and let his Holy Spirit begin to refine you. Give your schedule more time for the Lord. Don't just go to church on Sunday. Join a Bible study. Go to a prayer meeting. Set an hour time slot in your day to be alone with the presence of God and the Word of God. Most importantly, pray continuously in repentance and surrender, and you will watch the pollution of the world begin to evaporate off your life naturally. The closer in relationship with the Lord you get, the cleaner your life becomes. Though no matter how long you've been walking with Jesus, the Spirit of the Lord will continuously show us things that we need to be purified from. Like a good pastor I know always says, if you're not dead, you're not done. Trust me, friends. We are all a work in progress. That's it for today. But until next time, let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this time together with my spiritual brothers and sisters. I thank you for the word that has been read today. Please purify and transform us to look more like your son, Jesus. Cleanse us from our deepest struggles. May it be anger or other sins that make us morally filthy. Father, help us be washed white as snow while renewing us in Christ Jesus. Restore us in word, speech, and deed. Thank you for being patient with us in the process, and thank you for loving us with your agape love. In Jesus' name, we pray all these things. Amen? Amen. Well, that's it for today, friends. Enjoy the next couple of weeks, and I look forward to coming together again in the presence of the Lord. Until next time, bless you all. Bye-bye now. Thank you for listening to Beautifully Victorious. If you enjoyed the episode, be sure to follow or subscribe to the podcast so you can receive updates for new episodes. We'll see you next time. God bless. God bless.